Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party where I have just like a really poignant and um, perhaps future plot related anecdote to share with you guys about my childhood, if that's oh. cool. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. I, it will come up in 30 episodes. It's fine. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. <laughs> no, I'm so excited. We have so much to talk about today, and we have a supersized after party coming at you uh, because there is just so dang much to cover. There is a lot. I feel like we have created so much in this world in just three episodes. I got to look up a joke real fast. Everyone, everyone, everyone fucking vamp, vamp. I know, I'm going to leave this all in just dead silence. Dead while... silence. This is yep. so supersized. Morgan Spurlock's going to do a doc on us later. Oh. <laughs> wow. Um, Julia, how dare you make us all cry? Brandon, how dare you make us feel things? Troy Riptide, how dare you be a himbo? And Eric, how dare you... <laughs> So save our wonderful, poignant backstories till episode four when you knew, you sneaky MFer, that I love more than anyone else in the world, that we would already be invested in these characters. Can you take me through, Eric, why you chose to structure episode four this way and why put our backstories in now? And then we'll get into each of those stories and any questions that we players have for each other because we didn't hear this shit until it came out. That's true. It is five years into this podcast, and now we're censoring ourselves for the children. <laughs> Just, you know, I feel a type of way about putting R-rated words in the first three minutes of the podcast, so I, I do you try to YouTuber save brain. myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to. I need to have a clean forty-five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to turn on AdSense if we don't have it for him? All right, Eric. Where'd this idea come from? Uh, I'm really committed to kicking this shit off as fast as possible. So that's why it's something I'm really committed to. And I, I really tested out in the campaign with the Steven reveal in that first episode. Um, and I really wanted to like get down to what it was. I think that also these kind of like smaller arcs has been fun to mess around with having one, two, three for Esque Island, where it was really like learning what a pirate campaign looks like from us, both for me and from the players, for sure. So then these episodes, I feel like are leading to something else for immediately trying to pull at people's heartstrings five setting up this new game system and then six kicking off a new arc in, a, in an interesting way while also like trying to drop some exposition in there was what i was getting at well you did it god damn it you did you done did it to us I fuck uh, i also there wanna... we go guys we hit the three minute mark fuck. all right good <laughs> i was saying that really backed up there whew. Yep. In terms of everyone listening to the episodes, episode four came out right after PAX East when we were all together uh, for the first time since the pandemic started. Don't worry. We were in all <laughs> together our during weddings. our wedding. Our wedding photo was photoshopped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we photoshopped it, everybody. Uh, we were just we were just in Atlanta at Marvel Studios. And so I was bugging Amanda and Julia the whole time to listen to the cut. We're like, <laughs> Eric, we're exhausted. We've been at PAX East for 12 hours. We can't. I'm like, no, you have to listen to it because I need to talk to you two about it instead of Brandon just yelling at me how dare you which I have many (laughs) messages from Brandon of yeah yeah all right, so let's get into it. Maybe let's go by the order in which you um annihilated our hearts in episode four. Julia and Eric. How did the communication between you all start about what scene you were going to talk about uh, here in this episode? Oh, uh, that's a great question. Hold on. And now I got to scroll and see what Eric sent me first. Oh, vamp, I got vamp, it. Vamp, everyone vamp. Okay. I got it. I have the screenshot. So right. the year was 2022 and it was December <laughs> 28th. If you know something about me, I fucking hate the time between Christmas and New Year's because nothing happens. 
absolutely nothing happens, especially as someone who doesn't celebrate Christmas. I increasingly just, it frustrates me to no end. So I was kicking around, starting to prep the campaign, working on the stuff, and Julie and I had kicked around stuff about the open fields mm -hmm. um, in general, and that's where the, the whole naming convention came from. Yeah. How that was tied to, like... Virtues and stuff like that. Yeah, virtue, virtues and stuff. So I started thinking about it more, and I thought that having something... Here's... Okay, let me... Now I can read the screenshot. This is 5.25 p.m. So I'm not at my... I'm fully not at my desk. It is the time between the holidays for me. I'm just chilling, and Eric goes... Julia is still recovering from the seven fishes that mm. she's been consuming. Yes. It's been four days, and yet still <laughs> digesting. You are still underneath the fishes. Like um, a snake, there is one fish-sized bump in Julia's abdomen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, hey, I had a fun thought. <laughs> Watch okay. out if I message you this. Um, so the open fields, I had said, it was artistic in sort of a renaissance sort of way, and has this weird dichotomy between the religious and the strange, which makes me think about some s capital S scary, capital C Christian, capital M monsters that exist, or like monsters that are explicitly allegories. Uh, I think this is also around the time when Spirits did the Wild Hunt, which is yeah. also why I was thinking about this. I didn't write that, but that's the other context. So if you want to come up with the weird eldritch thing that teaches manners or the proper way to uphold contracts, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to just do a little know. light contract law on your break. <laughs> and um, and Julia, digesting many fishes, uh, how did you respond? I responded exactly an hour later. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and I said, okay, the first thing that came into my brain was Baba Rutabaga, who is like a Baba Yaga slash Lapafana equivalent, who brings good open fields children's gifts, but also can turn bad children into basically non-sentient plants for harvesting. Hey, Julia, that's fucked up. Yes, there it is. Yeah. Indeed it is. It was awesome. If by fucked up you mean awesome, then yes. Eric's like, this week, it's worth it. It was good. Um, and then we ended up talking about that, and we talked about it more when we were thinking about this thing. Uh, Julia and I ended up getting into it and talking about some memes, too, yes. about Baba Rutabaga. But, yes. um, Julia, did you know I was going to go the lottery on your ass? No, I didn't know you were going to go the lottery on my ass. Really? No. Yeah. I thought for sure y'all talked about that and compared notes on, like, the giver and shit before you started. No, I really gave Eric kind of free reign on what to do in my scene. I just said specifically, I'm like, I want to explore the reason why Cammy left Open Fields. Wow. And also, if we get to it, how Cammy got blighted in the first place. Yo, shout out to that nat 20 you rolled. That nat 20. We wouldn't have gotten to Baba yeah. Rutabaga if I hadn't rolled that nat 20. 100%. So then, Eric, I think the question for you is, how fucking dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I also have a question. I don't know if this is for Eric or if it was for Brandon. Either it was a like DM decision or if it was a editing decision. Why did we put the saddest one first? <laughs> that was an Eric Silver joint. All right, cool. Uh, I thought it was it would be more interesting if we started out with making people really emotional, and then mm -hmm. people look re look down and realize they had sixty minutes left. Yeah. I mean, listen, mm -hmm. we're living in a in the post postmodern era, even as it pertains to actual play podcasts. Mm -hmm. When Dimension Twenty does it, they kick you in the nuts like at the end of the two hour episode, mm -hmm. and I wanted to just to do something a little bit different. Hey, when you're already emotional, things get, like, comedy is funnier, so. Yes, that's Yeah, true. for sure. And I think that really informed how people were reading into the broader context of umby scenes, which we will totally get to. Yeah. 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 But, yeah, no, I had these two things that I was weighing, or these three things I was weighing that I needed to flesh out was, one, the Baba Rutabaga thing that Julia said. Two was the name change 
of Amity to Calamity to Cammy, yeah. which was important. And then the third was I needed to establish this religion, which I finally did, which I'm really I'm really stoked about. And I'm glad that I finally got to write it out. Uh, I talked to Moya a little bit and I started poking at some other stuff of like making sure this wasn't a reskin of Catholicism. Mm. Uh, so I actually took a lot of stuff from I know that it's a little rudimentary, but like go all the way back to your elementary, yeah, yes, yeah. where you go back to like world history class and you learned about Buddhism and Jainism and Confucianism for the first time. I'm like, oh, you, this is different. There's no like central deity that's yeah. interesting. And I kind of like the fact that like there really wasn't one that was retributive. And I really like this tallying points of reincarnation. You know, the guilt, I think, of Christianity, but put onto a different sort of thing that's very like one in, one out. And that's why someone was so pissed at the children. It's like, if you talk to Baba Rutabaga, you are an idiot, and this is your fault. Yeah. And I think that's that's the line that we were really running here. Mm-hmm. 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 Good adults. Great, great adults. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you, Julia, actually, yeah. does this mean, now with the new context of what I've just learned, does this mean that you didn't have any sort of sense of what your relationship with your parents was like that was just sort of all in the moment yeah i mean like i knew what cammy's relationship with their parents was like before they left and i think this turning point i wasn't expecting and that's i think particularly why i asked eric in the moment like how are my parents reacting to this yes event and i think that did like flavor one how cammy in the moment and two how cammy feels now about uh their parents so yeah. This is definitely not going to come back as a trauma and affect Cammy's decision making at some point. <laughs> no, probably not at all. No, that's I don't not what happens. So. And I didn't make a really funny joke with that NPC of the crest goat. Of <laughs> <laughs> being a three by three square of turf. I'm like, so it's really funny. hard to be emotional when I'm picturing just a sod. And you're like, yeah, that's why <laughs> I fucking did it, bitch. Yeah, it's the, it was the looming shadow. I was envisioning the yeah. moment where they, you got picked. And then just the shadow, the the square shadow looming over Cammy was so the thing funny. I had in my head. It's the new Chad. No, Sionic. we're not. No, no, no he's not. <laughs> the Cresco is not the new Chad. I promise he's not. I promise he's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, if you haven't read the lottery since high school, go back and read the lottery. That Fuck shit that? is fire. So Eric, for non-English majors, what is the lottery? Oh, I don't even think I read that in high school. Oh, yeah. you didn't? Oh, I th- no. this also might be for our younger listeners, maybe now that like education has moved towards short stories instead of novels a little bit, maybe you've done this. It's an incredible book. You can get it for free because it was originally published in The New Yorker. It was written by Shirley Jackson, who you might know from The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, I thought you were going to say from horror. Yeah, from <laughs> horror, exactly. Also from horror. And it's just like... It, I. It's a short story. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's like... I mean, well, you just recreated it, so... A little bit, yeah, a little bit. It's a little bit different, but the vibes, I think, of a community that allows... it. What I really liked was this dichotomy between how the incredibly high standards fruit in hand holds itself after following this religion, and then also the banality of this evil of... Set casting out a child because you think that they bring bad luck, which is uh, a major theme in the lottery. And also, if you want to read Ursula K. Le Guin's uh, Omalas short story, yes. very similar themes as well, which which is related to this. Yeah, Shirley Jackson's author photo on Wikipedia is the most epic, cool thing I've ever seen in my life. Shirley Jackson's a fucking badass, every man. every fact about her life is the most epic shit I've ever. Heard. She's all, she's really awesome. Yeah, but no, there's a very high price to pay for a, a bucolic 
existence. Um, and that's a, a really lovely premise behind a lot, not lovely, but like compelling premise behind a lot of, uh, of horror. That's what bucolic means is it's all utopian until a child has to die. Mm-hmm. Were you guys surprised to learn how old Cammy actually is? I was, Julia, and that uh, is a question that both Deep Space 2121 and I had for you, um, which was, did you know exactly how old Cammy was? And did you intend to reveal that? Wait, how old is Cammy? Did I, did I just go over my head? They're 60 years old. Yeah, they're around 63, I think, 62 maybe. Oh, I just completely went over my head and I edited it. What? Oh, I missed this. <laughs> yeah, because the scene that Eric and I did took place three years after the cascade dried up. Yeah. I just didn't do the math. Okay, cool. Yep. Cammy looks great. I know. That wasn't something that I had originally planned on. I wasn't sure how old Cammy was when I was playing her at the beginning. And then as we played more and we started to like make some jokes and stuff like that. And also I think during an AP in particular, we were talking about like the different societal reactions to what would happen when the cascade dried up and like if they were blaming outside forces and stuff like that. And that kind of inspired the idea in my brain to be like, well, maybe Cammy was around during that period where they were starting to blame people in their communities for this huge ecological Mm -hmm. event. Love that. I also want to say the name because I've, I'm looking at my notes for sure. The Path of Cultivation. I wrote real words and real names, and I was really ha- <laughs> yes. and I was really happy with that. Oh, speaking of names, Fruit in Hand is a play on a town in Pennsylvania called Bird in Hand. Yay. That's, that's cute. Yes, this was related to the Amish a little bit, how yes. we've talked mm-hmm. about distribution. Like Open Fields does the produce farming because they can deal with looking at looking at other plants so it was very similar to when I, I've seen a lot of Amish at farmers markets and like they'll sell you stuff but they don't like you at all because of it and yeah. that was a, yes so doing something like that was really important they're not listening to this podcast it's fine <laughs> that's right, that's right. the Amish are not listening to this if podcast, any Luddites okay. are getting <laughs> are reading the transcripts and having them <laughs> act it out please email us or no please e- regular out. mail us regular mail us yeah I would love that yeah. if we just got fan mail from an Amish listener who was yeah. just snail mailing us. That would be great. Yeah, yeah but listen, also a, a lot of really interesting writing and memoirs um, in uh, in recent decades from folks race Amish about, you know, kind of uh, insular society, about casting out, about, you know, what counts when you're in, in group and an out group and kind of the price of, of peace. So I think a lot of lovely lines to draw there. Julia, Mage Silverleaf wanted to know, how did Cammy get her birthday teapot after they left? I think that's probably the first item that cammy bought once cammy like got some money mm. and i, you mean I stole, feel like, right what's up you mean stole some money no pirated no. no oh i like i actually know very specifically how cammy became a pirate Ooh. and i don't want to spoil it in okay. case it's like another flashback we do in the future or something like that but uh yeah cammy was a very good plant and <laughs> i think the the Teapot was probably the first like purchase that she made upon leaving Open Fields. Nice. That's so funny. The headcanon I had was actually different. I think about Cammy's parents that they were like, you know, I think what we got from Cammy's parents and from learning from the lottery that like they're just so complacent and they're so, I guess, sniveling is fair if someone's going to do that to their child. I felt like Cammy was like 24 hours out of town and then a messenger dropped off a box and the tea set was in it but i think either either way works for sure and also it's your choice this is just my my headcanon uh when when i saw that question come in 
It's yeah. a box with a teapot and the dead head of a carrot next to it. I mean, maybe, it. honestly. <laughs> it's like, it's like never come home, love mom and dad. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Shit. boy. Damn. I also want to say, Baba Rudebeka is my favorite. She's my favorite yeah. NPC. I fucking love her. She has to come back her. somehow, Eric. Oh, I was going to do fucking nothing with it, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, I'm super glad we were able to like mind meld and create this character together. That makes me very happy. Just like having her on her porch... Just straight up hating kids. I we have a meme. I can't use the meme yet because we haven't explored Baba Rudabega too much. Yeah, but I have such a full idea of who she is in my head that yeah. like the fact that I we get to play that scene out was fucking wonderful. And I'm so I glad that it. we were able to do that. Hell yeah. yeah. Same, same, same. Well, as we all pause the podcast to blow our noses and dry our tears, and in my case, burst home from the grocery store, drop my bags, and say, Eric, how dare you? Um, <laughs> I did warn you all that Eric made me cry yeah. in my recording did, immediately yeah. after we finished. Julia, to be fair, that's not that unusual. Julia, hey! the, Julia the, high wow. points of my, the high points of my DMing career happens when you cry. So. It's true. <laughs> but if it happened every episode, Eric, it wouldn't be special. I, I agree. I just talk about it all the time. Yes. <laughs> So, Brandon, Eric, tell me about how you decided what Umbi's backstory scene would focus on. How did we do that? I think you just, at some point, Eric vamp, was like, Vamp, vamp, hey. vamp. Memento disease, memento disease. Yeah. I think at some point, Eric was just like, hey, you want to do Star Wars Senate? <laughs> Star Wars Galactic Senate? Oh, here's, here's the thing, and I don't want to put Brandon on blast. Put me but on blast. This is how our creative stuff goes. I say, Brandon, have you thought about this question? And he says, no. And I ask you a specific question and you give me one detail. And then I say, okay, I got it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and then we just go from there. I also want to say, I am so much... Man, the the last the new movies really fucked me up. I'm I'm really annoyed at J.J. Abrams for really turning me off to the Star Wars universe. And how... The thing that I love the most is when world building fits in with action, form follows function, which mm-hmm. you might remember me saying all the time in Monster of the Week. And like after watching Andor, I was so into the Galactic Federation as it fits in with the Empire and looking at that from a leftist perspective, which Andor did, and I was really galvanized by that. And I loved a lot of all the stuff about the Senate. I thought that was really similar to how we were envisioning the government collection at Skyreach and this thing. So it's like, all right, Umbi is the oldest. He would be the most adult because I also knew that what Camu was going to happen was, and I didn't want them to be too close because they were both early on after the Cascade ride up. But I wanted yeah. to make sure it was like, Umbi as an adult is going to go to government and we're going to do it like that. I do just want to pause it. Cammy 60 something. Maybe Umbi's like 55. Who knows? No, Brandon, <laughs> Umbi's older than God. And Umbi is the oldest man ever we'll created. We'll never know how old Umbi is. Methuselah. Umbi, Methuselah. That's Methuselah. what Umbi's short for, Methuselah. I mean, wildly, he seemed the same age 50 years ago. And yeah, it's cool and exciting. Someone said at some point, is Umbi Bernie Sanders? And I'm like, in some ways, yes. In many ways, yes. Honestly, yeah, not a bad comparison. Very similar, very yeah. similar. So yeah, I just want. I wanted, ad- I wanted an adult to go into adult situations dealing with the cascade driving up. And then a lot of this we just kind of found out along the way. Brandon, my notes for Brandon were the mo- definitely the most like sparse. Uh, but I think that once we started establishing that like Umbi has to walk to Skyreach, then I yes. feel like we figured I started to figure out what was going on. Man, I love that detail so much. Thanks. I thought That's that was very fun. Cool. Yeah. 
I know, God, you going to the jackfruit place was so funny. (laughs) I honestly didn't expect people to react like they did in like a sort of like a set. I guess, I mean, I guess people react all kinds of different ways to climate change and impending inevitability of our uh, ultimate fiery demise as a human species. Yeah, but yeah. um yeah, I wasn't expecting sort of like sad. I was if anything, it would be like anger, right? Or like frustration. I guess that's sort of all one and the same thing. Yeah, I was but... gonna say I felt that way too, but Okay. Yeah. I, I guess I, I didn't put as much I agree with Brandon, I didn't put as much of a fine point on the climate change stuff until looking back on it because I was using the California lawns thing as a mm-hmm. as an example to demonstrate just the city of Skyreach, but then I'm like, oh, it's exactly the same. It's yeah, literally it's about similar. water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then everything just kind of came together. Um, yeah, the stuff that I wrote, the stuff that I wrote out specifically, I really, and I thought I wanted to amuse Brandon about this. In the Galactic Senate, they turn off because there's so many of them. They have like a little stand and they have a light that's on if they're paying attention. I want to do something like that. And them climbing up and down the vines was something explicitly that I wrote out. Yeah, I really liked that. Yeah. And then everything else was just like, hey, what do I think they fucking do with the House of Representatives? Nothing, right? <laughs> and then we just went, and then we just went from there. How do I uh, show nothing on the podcast? Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Brandon, my question for you about the scene is, uh, what do you think Umby does right afterward? Um, well, I think I touched on the ending that like he starts hatching a plan to sort of do some protest along the lines of the rules like you know like you know Mm -hmm. the first step you try is to like follow the path of procedure and in the most uh, defiant way possible so i think he's going to go back to to sky reach and you know start organizing people and then start going to the other communities to organize their people sort of get a i don't know what you would call it i guess petition um Mm -hmm. yeah he's gonna umby's gonna filibuster until they figure until they actually do something yeah, but I think like literally immediately after, he's definitely just gonna take a long walk and think think through everything. Because um, at some point, you know, he's gotta break with with the rules and decide that like this life isn't for him. But mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what that is, honestly. So we'll figure it out later. Yeah, that was gonna be my question. Like, what was the last straw for Umby in terms of like you know actually resigning and then heading out onto the great salt sea but if you don't know yet like let's explore it and play that's that's a really cool question i also have a a secondary i guess world building question that i was left unanswered after listening to yours and it's is jack the was jack a tulip or he was a bouquet Bouquet? i think of orchids ah yes he was a bouquet of beautiful flowers is what i remember i just remember he was very hot yeah (laughs) where does he does he make his grow his own jackfruit because then the question is like is open fields the only people who are growing produce is does the jackfruit come from like a a jackfruit cow or like jackfruit pigs or something I'm, i'm just very curious as to like if overstock is importing are they not growing any produce at all does that make sense? I assume Julia from our from our world building that it was imported already picked and harvested from mm-hmm. open fields where yes. you know like you know folks who don't want to think about animals being butchered can buy something that's like sanitized and packaged in the supermarket and not really think about its origins. Right. I think that is true unless Eric tells me differently, but um I say that because, yeah, Overstock is full of a merchant class as well, and I think they sort of, like, save the best deals for the people at Overstock, so the merchants there have, like, the sort of advantage of the, the total supply of jackfruit and also can 
get a higher profit from it. Just imagine Chi Razmataz ordering, ordering a, just a, a ship full of produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Brandon, anything else you want to add about your um, your section? I just want to lastly say that my favorite thing was the, was she a bee? The queen bee? What was she? Yeah. yeah. She was a bee. The, the chancellor was, the bee. The chancellor. She was very good. I cheered. I know. I Listen, we love bees here on, on this podcast, but I did sure. mean to make the stuffy chancellor. Yeah. Uh, the, the Nancy Pelosi, if you will. I did need to make her a bee. I don't know what I'm... In my head, it was like a um, it was a bee drill. Yeah, <laughs> she gotcha. was a bee drill, like it. a hot lady bee drill wrapped in clothing. Oh, I assume she was the other hot bee Pokemon. Oh, she's Vespa Queen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Julia, they're all hot. You're right. You're all right, right. all right. <laughs> I see my mistake now. Brandon, Stacy wanted to know what was the process like of editing episode four. How did it feel mm. to hear things that were new to you on tape? The only thing that's different and the funny thing that I always think about when I edit these kinds of episodes where I'm not in them is that it's frustrating because I can't go fast enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's like I want to get to the story, but I'm so hampered by the fact that I have to cut stuff and, you know, listen and do retakes and stuff. But I can't. So it like imagine listening to the podcast on 0.25 speed Mm. and that'll be the experience of editing it. Hey, that sounds bad. (laughs) Damn, that sucks. <laughs> Brandon, is it worse to listen at 2x speed or 0.25 speed? Um, Both are bad. Both are bad. <laughs> <laughs> so just don't anymore. Just stop. Okay. okay, got it, okay, got it, okay. Stop listening to the podcast, Brandon Grugel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All podcasts are bad. Eric Silver. Mm-hmm. Julia, mm-hmm. you and I need to really work on our, on our epithets here. Fair enough, fair enough. There's no ethical consumption under capitalism would be mine, I guess. There's no ethical podcast under capitalism. I was just going to say that. All right, so let's get to the least deeply felt section of this episode. A real ending on a himbo note uh, with with Troy Riptide. (laughs) Eric, as I recall, you said to me, uh, hey, uh, what do you want to do? And I said, I don't know, hang out with my bruvs. And you said, no problem. (laughs) You were the one who had the most fully formed idea of what you wanted to do. I think I did the least, like, plotting for you. You mm. you were like Troy is a king's guard. I want to see it. Uh, he has bruvs. I really I saw full belt jacket a bunch when I was a kid. Yep. We're going to do this. And I'm like, "All right. There you go." Amanda, that's wild to me. Right? <laughs> there are so many other movies you could have been watching as a child and instead yep. you watched honestly <laughs> one of the most scarring war movies possible. That's right. I think my dad more wanted his four kids under six years old to do the um this is my this is my gun, there are other guns like it, but this one is mine monologue. Um which yeah. we did about Brian. you know shovels, wheelbarrows, you know, <laughs> ketchup bottles, uh in the supermarket. Um, I didn't, to his credit, I didn't see the full movie until I was only slightly too young for it. Um, well, but no, good. I just, I love a montage and I love a training sequence. And, uh, one of the pleasures of playing Troy is that he's so unlike me and I would never get myself into a situation where I need to do pushups on command. So I just thought it was really <laughs> interesting and I wanted to explore that time in his life. Is saving pineapple Ryan anything? Yes, Holy it is. Shit. Yes, Brandon. it is, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, that's the best fucking thing you've ever said. Fuck. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right, we got to take a second for Julia to steam. It's good. It's good. Shit. <laughs> Shit. Erica, do you have to say, as much as I had a, a picture of what the premise of the scene was going to be, I was so charmed by Broccoli Rob and mm-hmm. Three Lips. Three Lips. <laughs> every, every character in your scene, Amanda, was an absolute banger of a character. 
I know. But I have to say, the thing I did not expect was to get some amount of real challenge and to like roll a die at the end of my scene. So Eric, how did you think about a sort of breaching of the walls and a like test of us as essentially Kingsguard in training? Yeah, I, I think the thing that this was actually from you when you said that it was Hyperion, the, the tired Hyperion, the sleeping. Haggard. Yes. Oh, haggard. Hyperion the Haggard. Hyperion yeah. the tired. The Come sleepy, on, Eric. Hyperion the sleepy, sleepy man. That sleepy, sleepy, <laughs> tired man. The sleepy king. And I was like, oh, no one's taking this seriously. Hyperion got installed by his house as like the oldest son. So he has to be king. The only person who was telling you to take it seriously was Lord Commander Cavendish. Lord Commander Cavendish Hart, but he sucks because, because he's a drill sergeant. And I think that that was kind of the point is like everybody on the King's Guard other than the leader was were fresh meat. So I think that this was been a perfect opportunity to immediately assassinate Hyperion. And I think that Troy needed to realize that this was actually a really big deal, that you're not just like... Bonding uh, with your bros. You're not just bonding with your bros. I mean, listen, uh, shout out to Game of Thrones and iterating on that. That was great. I really like iterating on the Kingsguard stuff from like season one and season two. Coming up with a castle was really fun. I did yeah. not think we were going to do that. The fact that it was all, all the way up against the edge of the world was, was fucking really cool. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw from the image that I made, that I made for this uh, episode, but like finding a castle and it, I was like, oh, the crags really is Game of Thrones. I really yeah. like this. Yeah. It was just really fun. But yeah, I think that was based off of you saying Hyperion the Haggard and, and that rolling from there. I did want there to be something, and I thought that having like like a sleeper cell group of termites was just funny. <laughs> yes, it was. That is very funny. <laughs> uh, and I wanted to demonstrate that like Troy wasn't taking it seriously, but Troy is talented. So then that's kind of what I wanted to flesh out. And then you're the one, you're the one who said, bruvs, we're together forever. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Well, that is an element of my background as a mariner that I sort of like the idea is like you really bond with like your previous company and you actually carry like a, you know, a flag of a fallen soldier and like a memento from your lads. Aww. And I wanted to make sure that we, you know, we saw that element where, you know, Troy, unlike the others in the party, has been driven to, you know, seek more for himself. There's nothing wrong with his life before he he wanted more, you know, and he wanted to to elevate it. And so. Um, I think it was really interesting to get to see, you know, what that life could have looked like, where there's certainly nice things, but there's also a lot of shit that doesn't make sense. And I know a lot in my life, I've like walked into workplaces where it's like, oh, we do things this way because the previous person did this way or like somebody had this job for 10 years and then retired. And now we all have to like figure out how to do all these systems from scratch. And I was just really taken by the idea of a castle that's done that for 300 years. <laughs> and there are all kinds of like rooms and caches and, uh, you know, storage areas filled with various shit that people thought they would need. And then they like got thrown out in a coup and sort of what's left. I hate it when that happens. I know. I Troy doesn't want to be just like fired from a job he likes in three years by beheading when someone else comes <laughs> in to, uh, to, to take over. I can think of a few CEOs I would like that to. Brenny, you really got to watch those hostile takeovers. They will behead you if there's too much overhead. Barbarians <laughs> at the gate, am I right? That's Bre a joke about Nabisco, baby. <laughs> Brennan, you got to check your lease to make sure you don't get <laughs> out. That was actually going to be my question, though, for you, Amanda, was that do you think that this episode, like in the sense of the not like the literal JTV episode, the sense of an episode, this uh, yeah. was the turning point or is this sort of the start of the turning points 
to make Troy leave his bruvs. I think this is actually near the end of his decision-making process where earlier on, you know, we're, I think Eric, we said like five or six months into the reign of Hyperion the Haggard. Yes. Um, And, you know, Troy has been in the equivalent of like basic training and they're starting to take over shifts and kind of get into the speed of things. And this is really, you know, crystallizing for him, you know, turning away an attacker, which should be sort of like the highlight, you know, of his job is what he's here to do. I think that experience was like, yep, nope, don't want to do this for the rest of my life and maybe die, you know, in one of them one day. And in, you know, asking poor Robin Three Lips about, you know, do you dream of bigger guys? Like, do you want to see what's out there? And they're like, nah, Uh, you know, really, (laughs) you know, Troy is like, oh, you sweet lads, I will carry you in my heart. But, you know, I'm I'm going to, to do more and different. Do you think that Troy then has like a, I don't sorry if I'm taking this question from someone, but do you think Troy has like sort of a, a guilt complex about the fact that Troy left for bigger things means that Broccoli Rob and Three Lips are now more vulnerable? I think that's absolutely true. And how much that's in the like forefront of his mind, he probably tries to keep it down. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, Troy is a real uh, no thoughts, just vibes kind of character, but that is undeniable. And I think probably if he, you know, stays still for too long and thinks about what he left behind for too long, he would ask himself if what he's doing and the glory he is trying to pursue for the crags uh, is ultimately worth it and what he's going to return to when he does return home. Because there is a real risk. Again, he's from the crags. They're known for their sort of mercenary, like changing of ruling families. Maybe he gets back. Hyperion the Haggard is a footnote and somebody else has, you know, taken over in that time. Uh, Maybe Robin Three Lips are still there, you know, with with new guys under them. And maybe they're not. Like, it's it's real. Yeah, that's something I wanted to pull from specifically about Robin Three Lips. Like, Cavendish Hart is still there because he's served under, like, 20 kings and queens and royals, yeah. you know? Eric and because, I talked yeah. about, like, the chief White House butler or porter, right? Where, like, yeah. there are some staff that stay, and then you bring in your own policy people, but the, like, groundskeepers, you know, have been there for 25 years. Right. Well, that, that banana fungus hasn't hit the crags yet, so the <laughs> no. cabinet is still there. So, theoretically, Brandon Gray joke... Theor- no, you're right. No, you're right. <laughs> Cavendish is the only <laughs> one who's the- Cavendish is the only one who's there. That that was post fungus. That's why he's the only one who survived. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that like if Ro- only if Rob and Three Lips start to prove themselves, will they still be there? And I think that they were leaning on Troy's skill. You know how like I mean this is very Goodwill Hunting, right? Is like this one guy is really good and he props up all of us that we can still being our Casey Affleck bullshit selves. <laughs> And just uh, keep going. So only unless Robin and Three Lips step the fuck up will they actually survive, which I think is also part of um, Troy's conflict. I think you kind of answered my question, but I'll ask it anyway, and you can tell me because I think I know the answer. Uh, does Troy ever hear from Robin Three Lips? Like, are they exchanging letters and stuff like that on the, the Great Salt Sea? I don't think he's heard from them since he left. We're pretty uh, fresh into Troy's journey as a pirate when the campaign begins. Um, But if we ever run into an opportunity to get word back to the crags or to meet another craggish citizen out on the Great Salt Sea, I bet Troy would have some questions for them. Yeah. Mm. Hell yeah. Eric, question for you along those lines. When Mm. Three Lips signs a letter, does he just kiss it three times? 
Um, depends how much he has embraced this particular nickname. <laughs> it has real, like, full metal jacket. Some guy gave it to me, and now everyone calls it that to me, and I don't know if I like it or if it's bullying. <laughs> it's like, I just have three pedals, guys. guys. Are you telling me that Brando is bullied, Eric? You're, you said Damn. your gym teacher called you Brando, too. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I think they did. Uh, yeah, you're right. I quote Brandon from three years ago. Anything other than my name, I like better than my name. God right. fucking Damn. preach. It's real. If uh, you, They're saying, let's go Brando. It's yeah. different. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're really, everyone is a join the party listener. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. A couple questions to finish up episode four. Uh, Malignant Sloth says, I thought Rob's name would be Rob because he's Broccoli Rob, but him being easy to rob is funny, too. It's both. <laughs> That's what it's, I thought the joke was. It's both. It's both. <laughs> okay. That's called a I thought, words. oh, his name's Robert. <laughs> Great. Yeah, it's both. And uh, Z3 Brim wants to know, um, do you expect any of the people we met in these flashbacks coming back in the future as they, too, look for the salmon? No, that sounds stupid and bad. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I don't think you should do that, Eric. Eric, if we flashed back on Troy's thing, would we see Broccolini Rob? He's True. a little baby broccoli. In my head, in my, actually, this, that's a very good point. In my head, all of Rob's family were different parts of Brassica. So Aww. I think that like he has a cauliflower sister and a, and a Brussels sprouts little brother and stuff. So <laughs> yes. So the, the answer, Brandon, is yes. <laughs> that's cute. Today I saw a video about how when broccoli, like you, you pick broccoli, obviously, before it's fully ripe, because when it ripens, all the little um, all the little buds turn into flowers. All the little buds, yeah. all the little, little buds, buds and the sky is flowers now. And the sky is gray. <laughs> and bees really like it. Bees I really went like for it. a walk. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you crazy kids. Sorry, I couldn't change the backing track. I just had one stem. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to pop into the kitchen and get Wait, us- no, Amanda, you had to finish your thought. What were you going to say? <laughs> oh, no, that bees really like it. Bees really like it. Oh, bees okay. really oh. like flowered you broccoli. You the conclusion, so we <laughs> thought it was just part of the goof. Yeah. Um, ironically, I did get us a tray of broccoli and cauliflower with some ranch in the kitchen, so just don't think about it too hard. Shh, 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 shh. I'm fine with it, <laughs> This broccoli's winking at me. No, it's fine. <laughs> don't worry about it. Bears have a nose. <laughs> Hey, it's Amanda. One thing I did not say during our discussion of uh, Julia's portion, Cammy's portion of the uh, episode four, was that I was listening to it while food shopping, and I did get teary-eyed while ordering uh, a pound and a half of honey turkey from the deli. So this mid-roll is brought to you by uh, moving moments in the sort of most unexpected places. Thank you so much to our newest patron, Janine. You picked a wonderful time to come on board because you can enjoy Party Planning, our bi-weekly podcast, aka Fortnightly, for the uh, non-US listeners out there, including the one from April 14th, where we played to all those I've hurt, a one-page RPG about YouTubers making absurd apologies, and it's incredibly good. Now, Party Planning is both an audio and video podcast. At the $10 level, you can watch the video of us using Using, um, props and framing and all kinds of absurd uh, glasses to really bring our YouTuber apologies to life. It was incredibly fun. And I got to say, doing the video podcast and doing streaming, which, by the way, we do on Twitch, twitch.tv slash JTP at 3 p.m. Eastern every Thursday 
has really made us be better like visual players. We make a lot more jokes for each other while recording in uh, Google Meet than we ever did before. And it's incredibly wonderful. So if you want to enjoy the goodness and the visual puns, join the Patreon at the $10 level. You get that as well as ad-free episodes and bloopers and so much more. Go to patreon.com slash join the party pod. This week at Multitude, if you've ever wondered what life would be like on a different planet from our own, like, say, Vertistello, a Bialy-shaped world uh, like we're living on now, or how writers like Eric make your favorite fictional worlds, you can wonder no more because Eric went on the wonderful podcast here at Multitude, Exolore, where astrophysicist slash folklorist Dr. Moya McTeer explores fictional worlds by building them with a panel of expert guests, interviewing professional world builders uh, like R1GM Eric, and reviewing the merits of worlds that have already been built. Eric did an fabulous episode all about Vertistello, so you should really go and check it out. Every episode of Exolore will teach you something, will make you laugh, and make you also gain an appreciation of how special our planet really is. So search for Exolore in your podcast app or go to exolorepod.com. We are sponsored today by 20-Sided Store. This is our friendly local game store that can also be yours by the power of shipping. Not like where you have two relationships, you know, that like you think are really good um, in fictional stuff, but but the mail, you know what I mean. Uh, Eric and I just stopped by the store this past weekend and oh my God, they have some amazing stuff. Now, remember, their old space has now turned into an event space where they're having all kinds of incredible live events. And they have a brand new storefront just a block and a half away at 280 Grand Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where you can see all of the fabulous stuff they've set up. It truly feels like like sort of an evolution of the 20-sided store that if you visited, you come to know and love. It is big and clean and has a beautiful window, lovely lighting. And we found so many very, very cool items that we didn't expect to see. Eric pointed out to me, I'd never seen before, the like card packs that you can add to the game fiasco to play out some of like the scenarios that they have made. They have incredible dice, of course, but I was so surprised to see how many zines they had. They had one that was like a bar crawl of Greenpoint in Williamsburg which is the neighborhood we live in. And it was so incredible. I love zines so much. And also a physical version of A Quiet Year, which I had never seen before. I didn't even know they made a physical version. I thought it was just the the digital edition that I had played before. Oh, 20-sided. Just, of course, you're teaching me and showing me brand new stuff. So listen, whether you visit them in person or buy and ship to your house online, use the code PIRATE for 20% off your order. If you're there in person, you can just mention join the party. But if you're online, use code PIRATE for 20% off your order at 20sidedstore.com. Spell out the word 20, 20sidedstore.com. This show is also sponsored by BetterHelp, and I am constantly learning stuff about myself, often, I gotta tell you, in therapy. I, you know, have all kinds of times in my life when I've, like, realized that I enjoy a new food or that something I used to like wasn't, you know, bringing me as much pleasure anymore. Or, you know, I try something different and I'm like, oh my gosh, I actually really love this and I'm really glad I know this about myself. But therapy is the place where I really go to, you know, with someone who I know and trust and who is trained to kind of help me think through these things, figure out how I can 
make my life more fun for me to live, really? And what in my past may have led to some of the like challenges or thoughts that I have now and how I can kind of work with and not against myself to accomplish what I want to accomplish and to show up for my friends and loved ones and do better at work and all of that kind of stuff. And if you're looking for an easier way to start therapy, I would really consider BetterHelp. I used it when I couldn't find a therapist near me and it is convenient and entirely online. You can discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash join the party today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. And now let's get back to the after party. All right, folks, we are back. And believe it or not, we have two more episodes of this dang podcast to talk about. Let's fucking go. Let's get into the skill tree, baby. And Eric, from early on, you cited Cult of the Lamb as one of the inspirations for this campaign, which all of us thought, huh, pirate story. How's that going to work? But base building was a huge part of what we talked about in our inspiration for the world and, of course, our base building episode. So getting to actually spend some time on our base and build it out and think about this fabulous skill tree, uh, the image uh, of which you have uh, created and tweeted and you can find as well on our website. Gosh, I'm so excited. So how did this stack up to the the inspo and the hopes that you had before the campaign began? Yeah, Eric, how? I just want to say real quick, Eric, that before we start, I'm so excited to get to the part of the campaign where our base is so large and built out that we start chugging and we lose frames. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. So I Listen, I, we got some really good questions based on this, which I'm very excited to point out, but Brandon, me too. Uh, <laughs> you, so I'm just, yeah. Your base, you... <laughs> You know, I I love Umby blow blows up his workshop, and it happens like in over thirty <laughs> seconds because we only get one frame at a time. It's like, oh, I gotta get a new switch. This one was one of the originals. It was uh, so I can't wait until we get enough amber that we could put big head mode on Umby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe some rainbow sunglasses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you I like forgot, that one, buddy. I forgot about the cheat code root of the skill tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, up, down, down. Listen, left, there's right, a left, bunch right. of question marks on that tree it's true i'm sure once we unlock it one of them will be umby big head mode yeah Yay. and then you can play as bill and hillary clinton oh no <laughs> unlimited blitz uh yeah that's just put a, you can actually cut. you can just enter in rosebud into the command line and you get you that's get a bunch a, of the blooms that, that's the that same that's just the same um what was the original question? The original question was, um, how how was the process of turning the idea and inspo and hope to put base building as part of this campaign into an actual skill tree? Yeah, I mean, we've been kicking this around for a little bit. We did this with entanglements. I kind of like this randomization. Uh, I want to encourage everyone to listen to our downtime episodes because they're good and interesting. Yeah. I really like having downtime episodes. It might be something that was put into me by the first season of, of The Adventure Zone because the lunar episode were always really fun to me when they got new Mm -hmm. items and leveled up and everything. I just really like it, and I don't want to give it up. I hope that people are listening to them, and I tried to make the skill tree a little bit interesting and kind of introducing some new NPCs that we've only kind of, like, roughly talked about. It's also a good time to just, like, fuck around and then set up the next episode, which we were able to do with Arello, which I was really, really enjoying um, playing him because he's my favorite NPC. (laughs) Listen, Eric, if someone didn't listen to the downtime episode, they'll be very fucking confused who Havana Tropicana is. So they, they got it. <laughs> true. Fucking true. My I think favorite they are. Character. I think the stats say that they are, right? I think everyone's listening. I know. It's I just like so. a feel. I don't know. It's this feeling that I have. I don't know if it's actually true, but it's sure. 
I don't a little know. bit fewer, like fewer questions and a little bit l- less engagement on that episode. And so my, I was like, oh, maybe they're like waiting or thinking that it's because it's downtime. They want to like wait for a new arc. I don't know. No. Yeah. Or maybe Eric just did such a great job explaining the system that mm. they didn't no have question. any questions. Yeah, about it's it. like when there's like less fan fiction for a thing, that means you sort of like, you know, built out the relationships in a decent and satisfying sure. way. Mm. So that's mm. what the situation Got is. Got it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Brandon, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. It's <laughs> true. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I feel, I'm really happy with the skill tree. It was fun taking a video game concept and turning into tabletop RPG stuff. It was fun balancing the two. I thought, like, I really like Cult of the Lamb, but I thought that the balance between the farming aspect and the fighting aspect was out of whack. And I really wanted to fix that problem for what we were doing here. Um, and again, kicking shit off, I want to do this as fast as possible. So episode four and five were bangers so people can get into this show as fast as possible. But no, it was really fun, and I'm, I hope you all enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to make. It was a lot of fun to graphic design. Uh, I want to give a shout-out, as always, to Misha for me running this stuff by them. And, of Whoa. course, my friend Peter, over who I Whoa. know from Rift Tracks, who I hit up on Discord sometimes. And I'm like, hey, Peter, you do game stuff all the time. Can you look <laughs> at this? Um, and they actually encouraged me to do the – I had something else in place of the island-like control one. Oh, yeah. Um, and Ooh, cool. it was a valuable edit. No, that's Ooh, great. Nice. I, I was really intrigued by that option. So uh, so cool. And I, I, I respect, Eric, that you're telling us about all the folks who help you come up with these ideas because it's your baby, but you have some fun advisors. You have some good nannies that help you along exactly. the way. I love a nanny. Some nannies? Yeah. Yeah, they help you like raise the, the parent, babe. You know. Oh, they're, they're helping me some... raise the baby. Yes, I'm like, like am I? Yes. I'm five? No, no, <laughs> God, you're God, the parent. Here's my face building. <laughs> you know, your your infant knows to count in German because you have an au pair. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, something yes. I've been, I mean, this has been a thing going around a lot that like people think the Dimension 20 is scripted. And I'm like, that's not true. That's the, you you need to go meet some new, some very talented improvers and see it. Um, yeah. And none of you think this, none of you listeners, but it's out there in their fandom. But at the same time, it's like, you know, these really big shows who live in LA, you know, they have writers. They have creative consultants whose job it is to help the dungeon masters do the stuff, and I don't. It is just the four of us working on this, and through the the wonder of their hearts, I hit Misha up at two in the morning my time because I, I need to think about something or I'm able to ask one of my friends. So, uh, like, I can't ask the three of you what you want necessarily because of the reveal needs to come out good on microphone. You know, I'm still trying to impress the three of you, and there's only a limited number of people who I can do who I don't feel like I'm spoiling a piece of art for them so it's just like it's really important and i'm really trying to put a lot of time and effort into it is like you know i don't have writers and i can't just like bust out a speech like that unless i write it out like i did with dr radish radish but like you know i am really trying to do my best and you know this is i think what makes join the party stand out is like this is a game we are using i think is it is what tabletop rpgs are set up for using games to create a story, but also everyone has fun because that's what games are for. Yeah. Totally. Hell yeah. Hey, Eric, you're doing a great job. Thanks, hey, Lauren. Eric. Great job. You rock. Thanks. This doesn't happen too later, but Julia did say that I put my whole Eric Silverosi into something. And I, <laughs> yes, that, was, that was actually the nicest thing I was ever said. <laughs> I don't know if that made it onto microphone. No, you said yeah, it after it was... we stopped recording, but it really, right, made, okay, me, it really made me feel good. Well, now I it's I thought you were going to say you put, put your whole Eric Silver ass into something. <laughs> yeah. What's bigger, the ussy or the ass?
I don't. It depends. <laughs> well, I, on the internet, it depends the on the person. Yeah, really. <laughs> one literally, one spiritually. You know, it happens. So, <laughs> uh, we had a really, I thought, insightful question from Saved Man ninety seven. Yes, uh, this, this is an incredible question. Yeah, ah, really, good really good. You are paying attention, uh, sir slash ma'am slash mix. Thank you very much. So. They said, listening to the discussion on the skill tree, it seems pretty free as far as what some of the skills do after they get unlocked versus very rigid mechanics in most skill trees. Is this more so that the players have more freedom or was this done more to allow for fluidity in the narrative? And then in parentheses, they add, also love the old school console descriptions to go with it all. (laughs) What an insightful and great question. Uh, the answer is yes. You nailed it. That's how we <laughs> how we change something from video game skill tree to tabletop RPG skill tree. It's opening. Uh, Brandon identified it immediately by saying, "We gotta dig some shit up," uh, <laughs> because that's that's what that was for. Uh, some of these things were mechanical, like the monster wrangler section. Some of it were more open ended, like the backstory unlocked or the the dig and roll section. And then, yeah, that that's yes, that's the answer. Um, and I want I need to make it fun enough for all of you to make it seem like you might want to do something even if it's not mechanically fun, but there has to be a mechanical element to it. Um, I think a really interesting thing that I learned from Cult of the Lamb is like you add cultists is kind of the main thing. And because it's an island, and I've also been playing Dredge lately, which is a wonderful indie game that you should all check out, which is about like spooky fishing. It's on PC and Switch for like $25. It's really good. Oh, it's on Switch? Oh, yeah, yes, it's on Switch. Ooh, Y'all should, you should play that. it, Brandon. You should definitely play it. But, uh, but it's, it's, it gets difficult at the end, but like it sh- it mechanic, it's story reasons. It makes a lot of sense. Cool. And it's like, you know, you have to go to these islands to meet new people. And I thought they were like, well, you got to recruit people to the holds to make sure that it happened, which was like the whole thing of the Magnolia Network and with... Mm-hmm. With Havana, he had to wash up on shore. They had to wash up on shore, and that's like a very important part of what we're doing here. Um, so yeah, that was that was uh, that's exactly what I was I was reaching for for sure. I just want to let the audience know that I did have to cut me just yelling the word "dig" about a hundred times <laughs> in the episode. True. So. Dig. Yeah, it was really annoying even to me editing it, so <laughs> I made sure to cut it off. Yeah, and we can see here in the in the Google Meet um, that Julia's and my eyes got the widest they've ever been when Eric mentioned giant crib. Um, crib and crib, Julia, crib. Mel118 agrees with us. Uh, less of a question, more of a comment. They say, I just think you guys should prevent the giant crib. Um, <laughs> I want to try. I want to try, too. My question, I guess, for Eric, and it could be a who can say in the future, are we going to have more opportunities to get more amber permission in the future because like my favorite part about a skill tree is like saving up and then it's like all right i'm gonna bang out one two three four of this particular branch so that i'm now the master of big crab or whatever that's a very good question and i think actually someone asked something similar yes uh julia you are totally on the same page as sebalicious who wanted to know like how do you kind of balance the amber to skill tree like size and redemption ratio how much mm-hmm. amber will we get through the campaign is it just one per arc can we unlock the whole skill tree is that even possible throughout the course of the campaign that's a good question i want to i'm a completionist eric i want to unlock the whole skill eric, tree. we will not stop playing this game until we unlock the entire <laughs> skill tree we will not turn this car around we're just gonna grind for like 10 episodes after the finale yeah. that you planned because i'm like <laughs> i still haven't unlocked all Brigitte's background there, there gets to a point where uh, that pop-up comes up is like you're about to go to the end game and you're like no, no we're doing side no, quests no, no, no. No. cancel cancel episodes of side quests Here, here's my <laughs> response if there's a longer arc i will give you two points of xp However, re-amber, 
you can go find it. It is the pirate currency. I'm sure everyone has it. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Time to do some personal robbing. It's true. I mean, listen, the the, the, the cultists on Eska Island had an amber currency creator, which probably is why they gave themselves over to the cult in the first place. Mm-hmm. We fucked up, guys. We should have taken the giant sea monster with us on the ship so we could have <laughs> infinite cheat code. Yeah. Tell her behind us. Well, yeah. You could have. You totally could have. There's no reason we can't go back to Eska Island with a larger no. complement of ships and people and take their shit. I am worried. You can. You totally can. That is. That's also why I wanted you to come back to the island because it's about you going away and you coming back and then making that decision. Yeah. Uh, the question surgeon Michelle Spurgeon wanted to know: How often do you expect there to be downtime episodes, and will they always be on the home island in the hold? They have to be on the home island. However, the arcs—it's whenever an arc is finished, and that is up to you play. Could be two episodes. Could be six episodes. hundred percent. We don't know. Yeah. But like, but you have to like do a whole arc to get an XP. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. But you can always yeah. go back and do that stuff. But you need to return to to the hold to do it. I think we should just um, absolutely rob Chi Razmataz at the end of <laughs> yes. the Ledgy Island one, because apparently she's got mad Amber. But, okay. Sorry that I'm saying we should rob your girlfriend of me, but... <laughs> I'm sh- listen, I'm sure that that deep promise that you made to, made to her probably won't... won't yeah, it's no problem. Sure, it'll be fine. Yeah. It was just their marriage ceremony. I don't know what you're talking no, about. It was- no, it wasn't. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, that's why, yeah, that's the video game mechanic importing it over to Tabletop RPG. Yeah. But yeah, I want you to remember, you know, this is this is pirate currency. If you're not walking around with Amber, how are you supposed to get things done in pirate world? Mm-hmm. True. If some pirate kills my dog, <laughs> I'm going to get so much Amber. It's over you're for you, real host. John Wick. Umby yep. goes all the way down where the ghost in the ship is and, and pulls out a pulls out a Sledgehammer, chest yeah. Sledgehammer pulls out a chest filled with Amber. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, Julia, I'm going to lay this responsibility at your feet because Katie oh, Morris okay. said, that entire interaction with Rudy was unhinged in the best way possible. Um, <laughs> what happened? And Eric, were you expecting the party to act like, quote, such nutballs toward your new NPC? Such nutballs? Yes. That's so here's good. the thing. A lot of the motivation that I use to kind of propel Cami forward is very much just unhinged kindness. Mm-hmm. Sure. Is how I try to approach everything that she does, right? So one saving this poor, poor teenager from the crab, step number one. Step number two, you live here now. Congratulations. <laughs> step number three. Rudy doesn't seem like a pirate name. Now you're Havana Tropicana. I want you to fit in as much as possible. Oh, yeah. So that was kind of the arc through line of my thinking. And also I had come up with the name Havana Tropicana like weeks ago and I was waiting for another citrus character to be introduced. And I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I think it was a week prior, Julia. It might have been. That's how long it is. That's how long she had to sit with it. It felt like yeah. years. Yeah. It felt like years, Brandon. You don't understand. It was bursting out of me. Uh, can I tell you something? I truly had no idea what this NPC was going to be. Because, like, what's the point of me prepping something on a skill tree like this? But yeah. I did end up making that NPC generator and make sure I didn't just do fruits I know. Um, yeah. So the, the the generator did that. I rolled a D4 and a D10, and it gave, me, gave us blood orange slice. Um, and I just thought it would be really funny if Rudy got thrown into the sea by his frat. 
I think honestly, like I, you may not have done this on purpose, or you may just do it inherently because you're good at your job. But I think that the personality type slotted perfectly into the three of our complement. Yes. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I think it was a really uh, useful, worthwhile, and fun thing to add to our little crew. Yeah. Oh yeah. We adopted him immediately. And I'll fully admit, guys, I thought the no men are doctors thing was Fuck, something I we cannot believe that. I thought it was something we established in world building and I just forgot about. Um because <laughs> Julia put her whole Juliusy into that joke. <laughs> and uh it it just man, that shit's good. Wait, no, I don't think I was the one that started it. It was me. It was Brandon, and then I yes-ended, and then the rest of us just yes-ended really hard. Brandon yeah, seeded the idea. Like... He offered he offered the niblet, and then we turned it into a full meal. This yes. is this is what happens after we've streamed for a year or whatever. Yes. Like, <laughs> it feels like we edited to make it like smoother, like to make us like feel like no. more person. No, no, no. <laughs> this, this, I just no. say a thing, and then ever it blooms. <laughs> Especially because the more belagered Eric looks, the more we're like, mm-hmm, doubling down. Yes, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when, when kids learn a bad word and they say it, and their parents are like, I don't want to reinforce this, <laughs> so I'm just going to react uh, without saying anything, and then the kid knows anyway. Well, what am I supposed to do when the three of you start establish it? I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, You're right. that's the world now. Yeah, that's the yeah. world. Catch us on Twitch every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Come late. We usually take a while to ramp No, up. come early. No, no, That's no, the no. good come part. <laughs> come early, stay late, Outback. <laughs> Tuesday at Outback. But Eric, Malignant Sloth wanted to know, speaking of your NPC table, how did you come up with it and what kinds of categories do you roll for? Oh, I mean, just I divided the four different types of green folk and I looked up cool things that I wouldn't have thought of, especially for flowers. Uh, I really, and greenery, I wanted to make sure that I got a good enough version of all that stuff. Eric, I have been pondering a question for a while. Please. And like, I, I want you to tell me, because this is your world and you can tell me, what category would a pine cone be under? A uh, greenery, but I don't yeah. know if, but like it would be an extension of the, like a pine tree tree. So it would be greenery. Okay. Maybe a pine tree is just a corpse, you know? <laughs> Brandon, that's the opposite of what a pine cone is. <laughs> I would, they specifically bring new life. They're not a corpse. They're a seed. I wouldn't necessarily do the seed, I think. I don't even know if I'd necessarily do that because I'd rather just do the pine tree. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's fine. Okay. Yeah. But a- anything that's not decidedly produce a bug or a flower is greenery. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Uh, our friend Garrett also wants to know more about Harold, who we spent a little time with in episode five and every episode, and wants to know how we created and developed Harold. Is there a specific person from Drag Race that you're em- emulating? Because we can tell that it's someone from Drag Race. It's a pastiche. It's general. Just a pastiche of some of my favorite drag queens. Um, it's a real nod of seasons, you know, like two mm, to eight. Yeah. yeah I, listen, I just needed, uh, I just really wanted to make sure that Harold was there from the jump in the first arc. So I'm like, okay, Harold's going to be like this and we're going to do it. And uh, just making sure to establish the difference between Arello being a fop and Harold being a drag queen, I just wanted to make those two established. But no, I I just thought it was fun. I just thought it was fun. Damn right. I think these are two of the most, I guess, defined, but like definitely like most like uh, fleshed out versions of like 
you know, NPC stereotype things that you've done so far. They're really fun. Hell yeah, dude. I love Harold. Harold's, Harold's great. Especially when you started sailing and Harold was doing everything. Yeah. I just thought that was, I thought it was really, really wonderful. And we're going to use Harold more often. We're just terrible pirates and it's all Harold. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm, 100%, Julia. I'm really excited about the concept of the little Harold spinoff tracking Arella for us. I love that idea. Harold spinoff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Little Harold. The Roly. So yeah. funny. <laughs> what was it? Ollie? Was... We went Harry, and then we went Roly. Roly, yeah, 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 little Harold. And Venus Moon three fourteen, who I can tell is a stream viewer, and yeah. I'll tell you why. Wants to know every Thursday at three p.m. Eastern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On Twitch? uh, Twitch.tv slash JTP side quests, indeed. Uh, asked if Harold had a little hat, what would it look like, and where would it go? <laughs> On the butt. On the <laughs> butt. Didn't go to hat. College. I didn't fucking go to hat college. I yeah. don't know. How am I supposed to know? Is Harold an algae? I didn't go to algae college. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Harold would have a little bowler hat with a cute feather <gasps> on the butt. I like that. That just makes me think of Peaky Blinders. And I think Harold would fit very nicely. Harold would enjoy Peaky Blinders. Yes. Peaky Blinders. <laughs> I think it's just a blonde wig. <laughs> also good. Like He-Man. Uh, to answer Garrett's original question, this was just based off the world building choice that Brandon made in uh, on the Sea Whip during the, when we were figuring that out. And Brandon's like, "All right, it looks like garbage," and I'm like, "Okay, great." <laughs> <laughs> Harold is trash. Harold Got is it. trash, and Harold trash. is my friend. Yeah, I think for me, Harold is wearing you know the Chips Ahoy hat that they're wearing in Stranger Things at the ice shop at the ice cream shop. No, it's like a nautical. Oh hat. yeah, like a three Got corner a nautical hat. Yeah, yeah. This has a hoy on it. I think that's oh, what sure. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Cute. And that, of course, folks, brings us to episode six, the beginning of our newest arc at the book depository and Leggy Island. You don't even know all the wonders that are in store in Leggy Island yet. We do because we have played it. But we have some questions already about the beginning of this arc. So Sarah, Purple People Eater, wants to know, did the <laughs> players get to hear the intro to Dr. Radish Radish's book or was that just recorded for the listeners? <laughs> just for you guys. Should we Yo. reveal the, the thing, Eric, or should we not? Sure. What would you, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, the reality is that uh, when we were recording, I had a doctor's appointment that I had to run to, so we had to enroll. <laughs> recording kind of quickly and so when i edited it we were like six seven eight minutes short of an hour which is what we try to aim for if we can and so i was like eric we either need a very long mid-roll <laughs> or let's add some stuff yes that's exactly what happened um <laughs> I like my answer where it's like, we made something special just for you guys. <laughs> Yo. Well, I, I like I like this behind the curtain because the, the thing was, you know, it was like eight o'clock on a Saturday or something. Eric's like, all right, I got to work for a little while. Goes into the, the library at home and uh, 25 minutes later has, has busted out this beautiful monologue. No edits. Of course. Necessity breeds invention or, or whatever, you know. That, truly, true. I feel pretty good about that. You want to know where that came from? Yeah. I was inspired by uh, the intro to Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Mm. Vance. Oh. Wow. Uh, okay. J.D. Vance, current senator, giant douchebag, um, wrote this. He was like, so the whole point of Hillbilly. <laughs> That's what it says on his nameplate. Yeah, I really yeah. fucking Senator, I giant wish, douchebag. Yeah. So the whole thing about J.D. Vance is like he was 31 and he wrote this memoir, Hillbilly Elegy, because he was like working in D.C., doing like libertarian stuff but then he was like i can speak to like poor rural america and he wrote a memoir when he was 31 which was ridiculous and that was the, what the intro was about how 
you might be asking why I'm writing this, and it's because I've seen some stuff. And I thought that was a really interesting thing, especially this were us going to a book depository. And I thought that was an interesting jumping off point to show this. And I think that was very similar to Dr. Radish Radish trying to write a self-help book right after the cascade started. And then we kind of spiraled out from there. That also story happened to me. What? That the story in Dr. Radish Radish's uh, that he wrote that happened to me. My mom and my dad were divorced when I was 10, but they lived in like condos that were my brother and I could walk between. Oh, okay. Hey, Matt, my parents did that too before they gave up that. <laughs> yeah, my dad gave up on that a little a little while after that. Uh, and yeah, da, 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 da. broken uh, families. Uh, broken families breed creativity. <laughs> yeah, right. And then in the summer, I guess it was the summer, but like my mom had custody of us during the weekdays, but my, we hung up with my dad on the weekends. And I guess it must have been the summer because I wanted to go to a card shop because I was I'm really into basketball cards and I was at the time and I was going with my neighbors and I told my stepmom who was over in my dad's condo and she was like taking a nap or something and I'm like hey I'm going with the neighbors to go get a cards I'll be back later and this was pre cell phones or like I didn't have a cell phone at the pre- time I was iPhone that young. post 911 mm-hmm. baby yeah Hit like, me. yeah so we ended <laughs> go, we ended up going to the card store, and then they were like, hey, we're going to our church, and we have to sell roses because we're doing some sort of fundraising thing. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then I sold a bunch of roses, and then it took longer. And then when I came back, my stepmom was like, your mom's really mad. And I'm like, why? And she's like, well, I didn't know where you were. And I'm like, what? And then my mom came back, and she was fucking pissed at me because she's. and then she told me similar things. Rita! My mom, my mom gets very mad very fast. So, and I'm like, I told her it's not my fault that she is that she is not. And I'm like, oh, some adults aren't trustworthy. (laughs) And that's kind of where that came. That's kind of where that came from when I thought it applied. Well, I think you absolutely fucking nailed the sort of like uh, late 19th century, early 20th century method of writing. And I was like in awe of that. It was really impressive like american style at least yes thank you buddy thank you that's what i was going for nice good shit man yeah did you two listen to julia did you and amanda listen to it yeah yeah okay of course i listened to every episode man yeah i was just was asking i was just asking yeah i don't because i hate the sound of my own voice and well, i can't do, do it transcripts too so i also have to i listened to it twice i listened to it once just for funsies and then i listened <laughs> to it a second time to do the transcripts okay. yeah okay. No, I, I thought it rounded out the episode so nicely. And, you know, again, uh, uh, necessity breeds innovation. I, I couldn't imagine the episode without it. It was lovely. Hell yeah. Uh, Treby says, nice Narnia reference with the Dusk Shredder. Do you want to know, Trey, how many times we said Dawn Treader while recording that episode? <laughs> it was a lot. Uh, a lot. It was a, a lot. lot. At some point, Eric was like, fuck, I should just call it Dawn Treader. Yeah. <laughs> And um, Tattooed and Tall wants to know, was there a discussion about Lake Ark Encounter beforehand, or was Brandon just on the same wavelength as Eric with an unspoken joke? Guys, here's the thing that I think maybe our audience doesn't realize about me because I'm not, I don't, I can't put this part of me into content, is I fucking love conspiracy people and terrible, horrible religious shit that's bullshit. (laughs) I, it's okay. my mission in life to be like, yo, the fucking dinosaurs didn't exist with the humans, guys. <laughs> um, and so, of course, I already fucking knew about Ken Ham and Ark Encounter and all that bullshit. I've watched the Ken Ham 
Bill and I debate not but eight years ago. Incredible. <laughs> wow. I explicitly asked Brandon about it because I knew he would tell me. Yeah, yeah, Eric yeah. asked a very vague question. It was like, what's the thing of like the, that like one weird, you know, arc thing, whatever. It's like, oh, this thing I never talking about? <laughs> Sentence link. There's a bunch of stuff like this. There was like, I, the, again, I think there was a reference. Some, the McElroys, this is another reference because they grew up in West Virginia in like quasi-fundamentalist ways. So they have references before. But there was like Bible land theme parks that I was yeah. I was reaching for in this that in this particular reference and I couldn't remember it and then Brandon told me about the the arc and I thought that yeah. was really interesting but Eric does again try to maintain some mystery and surprises so as I recall he you know asked in slack just like one random day that we weren't recording like oh Brandon what was this thing Brandon's like oh I know what it is uh, and like gave the link <laughs> right away uh, and then you know two weeks later while recording Brandon goes oh that's why you asked me that yeah. question about this thing. And, you know, we go into the world. I did. I did say that in the episode and I did cut it because I don't want, at least when you're in the fiction, I don't want you to like have a mental picture of an exact actual thing. I want you to think of the world that Eric created. Right. So like it would have been more obvious that like it's something that we knew and were referencing if I'd cut that in. But I, I didn't want you to like just think of Ken Ham's bible trick you know <laughs> yeah and we haven't been there yet so we don't even know what it looks like necessarily yeah. yeah yeah but now that you've had some time to live with the epi that's why we get into it in the after party baby yeah. Woo! i really want you guys to go there but we'll see we'll see maybe you tease this cool little six flags thing and we're like no no <laughs> i know i want to clarify this is like a disney world california adventure situation where you can go to either but you have to pay the toll and that's the situation. So, they, so there's still always an opportunity for you all to go to Lake Encounter, even when you're on Lucky Island. That's like part of being inside of the toll. That's why I kept making a big deal of them validating your parking. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think it's very similar to like park hopping at like Disney World exactly. or Disneyland or something. Yeah. Like that's what you paid for is the park hopper pass. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Which now you're only allowed to park hop once a day, and it's only after 1 p.m. It's fucking bullshit, Julia. I think they changed it. You can you can park hop unlimited now after 1 p.m. But I agree, it is bullshit. <laughs> the mouse needs to get it to fucking together. I know. Goddamn mouse. All right, folks, we have a ton of great questions about the game and our world and making the podcast as well. Um, so let's get into it because there's so much more of the book depository uh, to find out. But you'll get that in the next couple episodes, baby. Wahoo. That was my trivia uh, team name this week, Eric, was Chris Pratt says, Wahoo. That's great. <laughs> the guy to do the Mario Wahoo, too. Very good. All right. Here is another good question from Sebalicious. I don't know if I want to ask, but my brain did ask me, what other jobs besides doctor in Verdistello are only women? Are there any typically <laughs> male jobs? You know, um, in Verticello, men are just particularly caring and emotional and, like, can't necessarily be trusted with leadership. So it's not a uh, coincidence that a, uh, a woman is leading the fucking Senate now, is it? Here's the thing. <laughs> Actually, in Hot House, the majority of builders are non-binary because being on one side of the continuum is seen as weak uh, when you're, in the, when you're Balance, in the gladiator bitch. game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. That's funny. Yeah, Umby's really an odd uh, duck in the Senate because <laughs> he is a dude. You're like, so. wait, you're a man? Are you sure you're, is your brain big enough for this? Yeah. I yeah. might be old enough that he's agender at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gender has just aged out of him. Well, yeah, yeah. Fair, 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 fair. 
The Debloom gap in Vernostella, though, is very large. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Serious problem. Am Not a Goldfish says, if stone or seeds equal heart and pawpaws have an average of 120 seeds, does that explain <gasps> Umby's longevity? Is he like a cat squared where he loses a seed but doesn't die if he has any seeds left? Unfortunately, what's this? What's the user's name? This is Am Not a Goldfish. Am Not a Goldfish. I, I think you might be confusing Papa fruit for a papaya. Ooh. Because a papa mm. fruit has like six seeds, so Umby is or... only halfway through his life, hon. He's yeah. got three left. Um, but a papaya or some other like I, when you Google papa fruit, some stuff comes up that I don't think is a papa. So sure, um, I don't have that many seeds, but um, the other point still stands. Yeah, is there some seed to longevity situation where like a cat's nine lives, you know, Umby can like lose some seeds but still be be chugging? Maybe I'm like a ruminant. I have four seeds to eat my food with. <laughs> I um I mentioned before we started recording that I went to an heirloom tomato seed workshop oh, last night at an Italian amazing. restaurant. My wife loves me. Yes. Yeah, it my was life. Great. That's why I'm a wife guy because Savannah <laughs> goes to goes to a tomato plant. It was great. Um, no, and one of the first things that the guy who c- described himself as a tomato holic said um, at the beginning of the <laughs> workshop was it just Eric in a mustache? Julia, <laughs> it might be Eric in thirty years if he owned a pizzeria in Brooklyn but lives in Southampton. Um, which Eric, hey, I want that, that could, for you. Yeah, this, yeah. this is what happens when you like just schmush. Eric and Jake together. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Jake and I do the Dragon Ball Z fusion. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's your Digi evolution. Um, yeah. Do you get your... Luigi when you do that? Jarek. Is that what the combination is? <laughs> it's Jarek. But the first thing he said was like, all right, well, if you want to save seeds, if you have like a particularly delicious, you know, like fruit or vegetable or you have a great tomato and you want to save the seeds and try to grow them you have to ferment the seeds because the seeds have a coating around them and then he said a phrase that i that left me sleepless last night which was that's why seeds don't germinate inside the fruit because they have like a coating around them that prevents them from growing and i was like oh man oh no this is like the urban legend where if you eat a watermelon you'll get a watermelon plant growing inside you i fucking hate this Oh, it's Amanda, like alien, the... but for plants. Yeah, that's what I yeah, was thinking, yeah, Brandon. Yeah. Where I was like, it's a baby that's gonna <laughs> burst out of me like a fucking chest burster. I'm sorry. I've been thinking about me and Jake doing like the Charleston, and then us combining, <laughs> like, like we're Steven on Steven Universe. Yeah, Steven Universe. We we go da 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 da, da. We'll and then we become gem. one guy, and then we become one guy. But you're like eight feet tall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what color is your gem? Like a nice heirloom tomato, like red with an orange stripe. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys are a uh, one of those watermelon tourmalines. Sure. Yes. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Anyway, that's what's in my brain right now. Uh, moving <laughs> you on. use a sword gun? <laughs> it's bullshit. Oh, sorry, it's a gun sword. I'm sorry, Final <laughs> Fantasy fans. Please back off, back off. Yeah. It's, uh, excuse it's me, gun. Kingdom Hearts fans, but all yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Jessica Jarrett wants to know, if the Cascade was the main source of water in Vertistello, does that mean that it doesn't rain much in the world? Or is the precipitation not made of water, but something else? Oh. No, I think that there is still, like, precipitation, but even if it rains a normal amount, you're not going to have enough water to, like, not have drought-like conditions. Right. You know? Like, the cycle of precipitation, especially with a great salt sea, is still going to exist, but it's definitely not the amount of water that people had while the cascade was active, right? A hundred percent. And also, there's... 
the cascade comes out of the sky. So we don't even know what the mouth of it or if it comes directly from the sky. Like, it's not exactly the same because of the fantasy. It's a good point, but I think you just got to imagine, and I explained this to Dr. Moyovic here on XLR <laughs> with a graphic, is like you have to imagine that the mouth of every single river in Verticello comes from the cascade. And like, so regardless of precipitation, it's still that like that's how rivers work in our world, yeah. right? So Ju- what Julia said is exactly correct. Woo, guys! What if the origin point of the waterfall is just the open mouth of the planter? I'm sure people I hate be- that, Brandon. I'm sure people believe that. Some yes. people, some people definitely believe that. Totally. Or it's directly out of the planter's um, watering bucket. Oh, that's fun. Ooh, I like that. That's cute. Yeah. Mine that's was so gross. Cute. Yours was cool. It's the same. <laughs> yeah. It's it's depending on what sect you talk to. Yeah. <laughs> One is spit, the other is cute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Robert McDaniel asks if we're able to share any more about how the nations of Verdestello relate to each other. So of course open fields, gross produce, and then exports it. But can we share any more about how the nations interact as countries rather than within their own individual zones? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I wanted to have a world that existed outside of the Great Salt Sea, and we will flesh it out as it makes sense and as necessary. But I thought it was kind of fun that we're leaving a lot of this ambiguous. I mean, in my head, open fields is the breadbasket. But that is not to say that other parts of the country also grows food, but they're more skeeved out by it, so they do it less. However, in Overstock, they especially don't because they don't want to think about it, and they're thinking about spiritual stuff. So that's specifically, they don't grow stuff, but maybe they do raise cattle. I was thinking of a jacattle the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) So that's possible. It's totally possible. I think that, yeah, the merchant class is coming, a very strong merchant class coming from there in a very, like, old school, like... Silk Road sort of way is what I envision for Overstock. There's a lot of um, information and construction and construction materials that comes out of Hothouse. And then the crags, lots of stuff comes out of the crags, you know? And I think that there are weird relationships. I mean, these four countries are very distinct and have created their own societies so much. But you can see this in Europe, how, like, you know, France is nothing like Italy, which is nothing like Germany, which is nothing like... Montenegro or the Eastern European countries, you know, and I think it's like it's like that and they have to work together if they're in situations, whether they work together on the cascade. I mean, we'll see, but maybe we'll see some scenes. I've already been starting to kick around because of this question. I've been kicking around like join the paper style episodes we could do. Mm. Hell yeah. If we wanted to do that. So we could definitely do that. But, you know, we have to do the Great Salt Sea stuff before we can zoom out. But I'm I am thinking about that. That's totally true. In my mind, the system of the different like countries felt very much like the Greek city states in like ancient Greece. So that's how I've been picturing it in my brain as we go where there's individual governments and they get along, but sometimes they go to war with each other and like, eh. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all the way to call back from campaign one. I love that shit. Yeah. So that's certainly very true. Join the parchment. Yeah. Could be. Could be if there's a letter. Join the treasure map. I keep thinking of like different games. I'm thinking about, I'm going to say this now because I want to come back to it. But I was thinking about doing an episode where everyone, all four of us represented one representative from each country. And it doesn't have to be your player's country. We could figure it out. But I wanted to do this like a game where I opened up like the, we, uh, did any of you do Model UN or something like that? I know of it. No, Erica wasn't hot enough for Model UN. (laughs) 
Okay. Shit. I did model UN. I was going to say before Amanda said that. <laughs> All right, Hottie, brag. <laughs> but um, there was a whole thing about like opening up what we're going to talk about. I'm sure there's a league. There's what's the like a parliamentary debate thing or whatever. Or like when you open up, you know, what, what when they talk at the UN and they open up when they open the docket. Oh, right. And I thought about like if we were going to play that, I was going to open up the docket 24 hours before we recorded to make you guys put on things we had to talk about at this meeting. That's fun. And I could have like a non. I don't know if there's like a UN quote unquote. We did that in campaign one with the speaker, but I I didn't want to redo that. But there probably is some sort of like parliamentary person in this way. Yeah, I wanted to open up the docket and we only talk about what's on the docket. And if you don't talk about what's on the docket, people are like you're an asshole. So I wanted to see. I kind of wanted to see what would happen. Um, I love that idea. Could be fun. And frankly, choosing the nation for my background, for my character, was the hardest part of character creation for me. I I so badly wanted to be from every nation or between. I thought that would be really interesting, too. So I I would love that. I'm between nations right now. What was it called? The... The, un- the unmoored, right? Unmoored. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I, know. Yeah. I just like good, that good idea. I wonder if there is, like, eventually going to be, like, a pirate unmoored representative in that government who just shows up be like, no one elected me, but it seems like <laughs> someone should say something here. Yes. <laughs> Eric's writing it down. <laughs> Eric, make sure to write down Havana Tropicana. <laughs> Havana Tropicana. Yeah, it ends up being Havana Tropicana. No men are doctors. <laughs> No men are doctors. Also, no men should be representatives. Weird that they sent Havana Tropicana. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a couple more Shit. here. Uh, Mags the Catastrophe Ocelot. Great name. Uh, wants to know, can y'all remind me of PC's pronouns? She, they for Cammy. He, him for Umbi. And but Umbi's so old, he's he's losing gender by <laughs> yeah, the day. Like, whatever. We're all turning out a gendered baby. That's how we roll. <laughs> and uh, Troy's cool with he or they. He's like, oh, whatever. Yeah. You know me. Yeah. We're all bros. Yeah. I'm Troy. Yeah, we're all <laughs> Troy. Troy's pronouns are Troy, Troy. Troy, Troy. Exactly. Um, and speaking of Troy, uh, Dr. Spurgeon would like to know, does Troy resent having clipped wings? And Malignant Sloth wants to know more about how Troy cares for his wings. Does he have to unroll and air them out every so often? Or does he kind of leave them alone since when he rolls them up? I just imagine Troy, like the uh, Sham Wow commercial, like sque- squeegeeing his wings out. <laughs> yeah. No. Like a, that's like a, a Western comedy. That's like, Was that in A Thousand and One Ways to Die in the West? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I um, I think that much like, you know, shampooing your hair like once a week, you know, or every so often or, or other like tasks that you don't do all the time. Every few days when he is like truly, you know, at rest or has some time off or, you know, feels safe, rolling and airing out his wings and you know taking care of them and sleeping you know with unbound um for a while this is his life and it having the clip wings made sense for his life back on the crags and because everybody does he he doesn't even like you know we don't have flying creatures in vertistello and that was a a choice we made for pcs for game mechanics reasons so i don't think it's a thing that really crosses his mind often and again you'll you'll note that troy doesn't think about a lot very often but if someone gave him reason to maybe he would but for now he's like nah man tripe that's how it is and bigger the target the more you can get hit you know what i mean nah man troy riptide troy riptide <laughs> every single time troy unfurls his wings ambi goes oh just beautiful true <laughs> just beautiful majestic thanks guys you better work <laughs> it was harold yeah <laughs> love it 
Um, Annabelle F. asked, are there carnivorous plant green folk in Vertistello? And if so, how do they function? What do they eat? Would you consider making an NPC who is one? I got to think about this. I gotta think about this. If it's going, if I'm going to talk about it, they're going to be an NPC. But I'm not sure. I don't. I'm not sure yet. It could be lycanthropy, uh, a, the equivalent of lycanthropy, but it's like a curse you always have. It could be something you have to repress. The difference between a green folk and a plant. Maybe they don't do that. They could just have sharp teeth, and then that's it. If they were like a piranha plant, I know. <laughs> yeah, piranha. Yeah, piranha yeah. plant. Those real things in nature. Yeah, just I like just planted Ma- those in my garden. Yeah, just like Maoio. Um, so I don't know. I, I'll have to think about that. All right. So, uh, here's my backup character in case Cammy gets, uh, gets got Cammie during this it. campaign. Yeah. It is going to be a Venus flytrap necromancer. Hell yeah. Shout it's out good. to Valda's, which has a necromancer class. Yeah. That's pretty good. It's true. Pretty good. It's good. Let's, Julie, actually transition from there into some podcasting and IRL questions. Uh, And Paul actually asked us, how would our previous characters fit into Vertistello? What kind of food or insect do we think they would be? Maybe what nation fits their vibe the best? Milo is a worm. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) From where, Brandon? I don't know, man. Whatever. Whatever, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say Val would be a... Fire ant from the crag. Yes, yes, they would. I'm thinking probably Aggie would be from Hot House. I think that's the equivalent of the civil service exam that she took to start working at <laughs> the museum. And I, I can picture her as like a maybe like a rose bush or some kind of like perennial plant, hardy, good stock, an oak tree, maybe something um you know common but has a lot of uh of heft behind it. Maybe a maple tree. I was gonna say creeping ivy for Ooh, yeah. Aggie, but yeah. that'd be really good. Especially time change, Aggie. Yes. Stretchy Aggie. Yes. Eric, do you have an idea for any of the uh, the NPCs of previous campaigns? Oh, yeah. Tracy is a robotic piranha plant from Hothouse. It's <laughs> good. It's good. Yeah. Cool. Bu- like built, by a, built by a builder, I think would be yeah. really, really interesting. Hmm. That's kind of Very fun. Very cool. And um, of course, uh, uh, my apologies for not addressing this in the last after party, but Ralts does ask an important question. Is every NPC in Vertistello canonically Jewish? <laughs> yeah, like they're like yes. the Mandalorian. They're all canonically <laughs> Jewish. Yeah. Great. And uh, again, a little peek behind the curtain, folks. So Eric tends to compile the after party questions and organize them. And then I'm the one who chairs the after party episodes. And I do just see here a note that I, I don't really understand, which is hello, oozes and bunny story. And then a sub bullet. J L bar ten colon describe the nipples. So yeah. um what's up? Uh Eric. Hey, what's what this? Okay. So uh <laughs> a lot of times when you ask questions, we forget what we say because we have podcaster brain. Which means I didn't forget that. I know exactly you're referring to. I didn't rem- I did not remember, but you say it into a you say it into a microphone and you forget it. So I, for example, when JL Bar 12 said that. I'm like, excuse me, this is an Arby's. And she was like, you know, when Brandon said, what are green folk nipples? And I said, we're not talking about that. Um, but sometimes. <laughs> and we refuse to. And we, we refuse to talk about it. We will not talk about it. But here's a really interesting example. Someone messaged the Join the Party Instagram, which I, I run our socials. And this is uh, Joe's a monster who is our friend Hallie's sister. Oh, tight. Nice. Oh. Hallie of the uh, One to Grow On pod about agriculture. Yeah. And here, I'm just going to read the message, okay? 
Hallie said I should tell y'all this. Laughing, crying emoji. Uh, my whole friend scared. group has adopted the phrase oozes and bunnies. We greet each other with hello oozes and bunnies or greeting oozes and bunnies, and we all categorize ourselves over the day. I'm having a lot of work to do, but I'm an ooze today, so we'll be done at ooze speed. Or accusing someone else of stealing all the bunnies from the group and leaving everyone as an ooze tongue out emoji. Okay? This is <laughs> That's so, so cute. cute. That's really funny. So I thought I said, LOL, it's incredible. Can I ask where we said that? I have podcaster brain and forgot what we say. You didn't remember where that was? It's every week, Eric. Well, Eric doesn't listen to it. We just do the party planning preview. That's where it's from, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's from the party planning preview. Yes. I wrote yes. that so long ago and I haven't thought about it yes. in forever. Because we had a whole Aww. conversation about how we never said it. <laughs> and then Joe's went and looked at all of our transcripts and couldn't find it. Oh my oh, god, Joe. guys! Yeah, it's it's no, it's the party planning right, preview it's the, every the other party Friday. planning preview. Oh my god, it's, I couldn't it's remember from JPC's, that. JPC's because JPC always does his hey blank and blank. I and described so that I like, to them, and then she was like, "I don't listen to Hey Riddle Riddle." <laughs> <laughs> so fair. you can go back to her and tell her that she must listen like a good listener to the party planning previews. She listens to the party yes. planning previews. That's what it's from. See, that's why I'm. Broken. I have podcaster brain. I don't remember what I said. <sighs> I get the reference. It's to Chad and Jenny. Of course, yes. But like, yeah. Oh, I thought it was that um, uh, video game that came out a long time ago that was like, uh, fuck, what do you call that kind of game? The What's up? Uh, like Sort of like a base defending style game. Like where Lemmings? <sighs> it was, there was a Mario XX form or something like that. XCOM, XCOM. Is that from no, that? I don't know, but... That's... I know about XCOM, but that's, I don't know. Aren't they Oozes and Bunnies? No. no, it's Chad in January. Yeah, I said it because of Chad in January. Oh, well, I was no. I was mistaken. No. Wow. I Yeah, Iconic. I did it because we were aping what, what they do on their previews, and I totally forgot that I did it, and I <laughs> gaslit this woman. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you did not know you were doing it. We'll get back to Joe and let her know. Yes. So I'm glad we shared this. There you go. Describe the nipples. No, we're not describing the nipples. Mario and Rabbids. That's what I was thinking. Oh, oh. sure. Because I think that game just came out at the time that we did that. So I was thinking of it. Oh, no, I did it because of I did that. That's interesting. Yeah. So two final questions here before we spoil the plank, of course, our uh, new <laughs> moniker for Spoiling Yar. Corner. Uh, Cat Owl Dolls wants to know, is every island going to be named in Esperanto? And players, are you going to learn the language? <laughs> I Googled it. I Googled uh. it. <laughs> Also, can I can I ask a question real quick before we actually answer sure. these, Eric? Yeah. You guys were very tickled by me going Avasti. Yes, in <laughs> yeah. the first Lucky Island episode. It's perfect. And all right, I'm just I, I was like, did I I didn't do it to be funny, just to be cute, but you guys laughed every time I did it. So I was like. I guess it was it's funny. It's really sweet, charming, <laughs> and a different character yeah. voice compared to Val, and I love it. Okay, it's just good. so funny to think about, like, yeah. Every time you've ever heard the word "avast," it's always like "avast," you know, like a pirate. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> it's so good. All right, uh, back to the question about Esperanto and island names, Eric. So, are you drawing inspo from Esperanto for all your island names? I'm not sure. I might be. I think Esperanto is really interesting as an existence. It's also, a. have said this before, but it's a joke I tell to myself. I don't know if you, you two, I say this to Amanda all the time, but I don't know if Brandon and Julia know this, that like the podcast company Gimlet 
So they spent a bunch of money for them trying to come up with the name Gimlet. They like hired right. a business people and they spent thousands of dollars on it because before Alex Bloomberg, the guy who founded Gimlet, tried to call it Arello, which means here in in Esperanto, and everyone right. thought it was fucking stupid and made fun of him on startup. It was like a running joke for a few episodes. So a joke to myself is also always using Esperanto. But there's also stuff involved. I mean, it's called Vertistello. That's the flat Esperanto flag. Esperanto is a language created to unite everyone in the same language, pulling from romantic. The as many people would would be know romantic languages and be able to use it, which is why it got put together. So I don't know. I think it it is metaphorical, but also a joke for myself. We don't necessarily need to. I just thought it was fun. That's a good reason to do something on a podcast. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. We're two out of two so far. It's up to Esca you. Esca is not a, is not an from Esperanto. It's just the oh. anglerfish. Oh, I thought it was. It's, no, it's the dangly oh, bit off the anglerfish. Then, man, we're two out of three. All right. <laughs> and finally, Michael Rollett wants to know, as a DM, sometimes I make plans for my encounters, whether they're puzzles, jokey things, plot points, etc. And then I like a player's solution to the puzzle better or like their plot idea better than my own. I then pretend like that was my plan all along, making my players think I'm smart and clever. Does Eric ever do this? If so, when? <laughs> Yes. Yes. I know you yeah, do. Of course I do. <laughs> I know you do. About? I said it explicitly. A really good example is from campaign two when you guys thought that the code to like the cousins uh, underground lair, you put in boobies and I thought it yeah. was so funny that I just said yes. <laughs> you can hear it in his voice and he goes, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that, the sound. I mean, but that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's that's the part of the collaborative play. Like it's not like the GM is outside of the collaboration zone. Yes, yeah. yeah. Honestly, if you're gonna create a puzzle like this, when you're creating a dungeon, this is a quick DM tip. If you're creating a dungeon with a puzzle, regardless of it's like a real puzzle, like a riddle, or some sort of like machination, like you gotta turn this thing and the light needs a point, blah, blah, blah. Don't come up with a solution. Don't. Then you'll be waiting for two hours for them to get the exact thing you want, and no one will be happy. But it's all about them putting the pieces together. Like, that makes you a good DM. That doesn't make you a bad DM. Mm, yeah. yeah. I've also gotten two memes sent to me saying I don't prep. <laughs> so, and I keep saying it's Whoops, a conspiracy uh-oh. created by all of you. It's whatever you think. I Whatever is more impressive to you is what I do. Eric, we didn't say it on all those episodes, so, you know. That's on you. Who brought brought it up? (laughs) No, that's called being (laughs) gaslit. That's what that is. (laughs) I think it is extremely impressive to prep enough to give yourself the tools and to throw yourself over to figuring something out in the moment. And I think you do a really great job of giving yourself the tools you might need and also following us where we lead you. That's just my thought. Hey, thanks. Where you lead, you're welcome. I will will follow. Anywhere that you tell me to. Let's end this episode to spoil the corner. Spoil the plank. Arr. Yar. A nasty. A nasty. KZ, three kobolds in a trench coat, says Has any character gone back to their past, or are there plans to revisit past homes in the future? No, of the sounds campaign? fucking stupid and boring. No, never doing no, that. Sounds bad. I'd love sounds to see really how bad. the characters' homes have changed, especially Umbi. Mm hmm. Mm. Casey also asks, we know everyone's wondering what a salmon is, but are there any theories on who or what discovered the salmon first and left those dried carvings behind? Does this mean that the water has dried up before? Oh, great question. Yeah, we had a, there was a long conversation about that in our Discord. Uh, Interesting question. 
And also, I got out of a meeting one day to come back to like 50 notifications about whether or not Troy was hot. So you guys are doing great. You guys are doing great. <laughs> I love you. And if you're not a patron, patreon.com slash join the party pod. You got to get in that Discord, baby. Stop asking about Troy's nipples. Stop it. Listen, speculate on your own time. Write fanfic. That's what it's there for. That's what it's there for, baby. Dr. Spurgeon, are there going to be more flashback episodes or the, will the reveals be in game about our characters' backstories? Who, Who can say? Can say Where the flashbacks go? <laughs> it's less clunky in anime than I think that flashbacks are in like American television. I'm thinking about like mm-hmm. flashbacks episodes in like dramas or sitcoms where like the actors need to play ten years younger, you know. And it's just like someone put petroleum jelly on the lens, just like shh, 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 don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, like someone's wearing a wig, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't know. I'm feeling inspired by One Piece, of course. So it, it definitely felt it feels a lot less clunky being able to just, like, go and do an episode somewhere else. Yeah, but there's famously no flashbacks in One Piece, Eric, right? No, never. (laughs) Never, Never, ever. It's all in the present. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crow in a human suit asks, will Havana be the new Alonzo, who you keep forgetting when talking about or moving the crew? Here's the thing. Havana does not have as much importance to the plot as Alonzo did. It's true. true. I will never forget Havana. Havana is my number one priority on this ship right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. see how long that lasts. Don't look at me like that, Eric. Let's talk about this in a month, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about this in a month. Malignant Sloth also wants to know, does Havana, and then parentheses, Rudy Tropicana, have a family- That's not his name. Have a family or friends that will come for him? I don't know. No. <laughs> Who can I, say? He's a man. I don't think anyone cares, you know? Yeah. Oh. He's a man that left med school. Like They all expected him to drop out. But his bruvs. Yeah, exactly. But his bruvs. His brother's in his arms. His bruvs were the one that put him in there in the first place. Amanda. In my head, they like he woke up and he was like on a mattress. He, yeah, on a mattress yeah. in a boat in the middle of the Great Salt Sea. Yeah, we've all seen Parent Trap, yeah. Eric. I know what you were going <laughs> Man, for. Man, if, if Troy ever gets a chance to talk to that med school full of men, he will have some choice God, words. That was so funny. You, t- you two didn't know it because the episode wasn't out yet. Episode yes. Before, but like Amanda was like, your friends did that. To I was you? in my feelings. Yeah, we were like, we. I think we had reactions where we were like, Troy's taking this really personally. Yes, you did. <laughs> you were like, damn, Amanda, this is really resonating for Troy. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> your brothers at arms. Yeah, yeah. Like what? I always forget that you got the inspiration for the giant crab monster from Parent Trap. <laughs> yeah, famously. Yeah. And then finally, the cool hand Lucas wants to know, at the end of campaign three, is the camera going to pan out to see Dr. Morrow looking into a microscope? Who can say? Well, Brandon just pushed his chair back halfway across the room. What? (laughs) Jesus. Who can say? You've all been in like a beachy snow globe the whole time. (laughs) January pads by drinking hot chocolate. Yes. Hey, what's going? Hey, don't look at me. Don't make it weird. Don't make it weird. All right, folks, that is it for this super-sized after party. I am loving this campaign. And remember, this is the perfect time to get new folks into the show. So please text someone who you love. Send them a message. Send them a a Discord message. Send them a Facebook message. Message them on Hinge and say, you can earn a date for me if you listen to the first episode of this podcast. And send them to jointhepartypod.com slash start, where you can go to our Vertistello page. You can listen to one of the previous completed campaigns. You can get on board with the show baby we're doing hot fire shit and we need more people here to hear it get on board if you want a place to congregate there is a join the party subreddit 
that I recently stumbled on. It has 350 people in it. What? Not really people have, have messaged all that much. The last post was from like two months ago. If you guys want to go hang out there, there you all exist. I didn't know you existed on Reddit. I thought all of you were not on that place. Go over there. Damn. Dang. It's, I think Damn. it's join the R, join the party, party underscore pod. Okay. That's so cute. So is there. Go check it out. I don't run it. I just saw it existed. But go check it out. Adorable. Oh, it's already some like uh, fan art style stuff on there, which is fun. And oh my God, huge shout out to our first fan dance. CC put together like a, a wonderful dance music video, basically, to the theme song and the intro to episodes. I had a full cry in a coffee shop uh, watching it. So, I mean, absolutely incredible. And you guys are the best. We, at least for me, I feel so great knowing how much effort and time and love we've put into making this world that it's resonating with you. So with that, everybody, we will see you next week with a brand new episode of the Legends of the Book Depository. Hell yeah. Yay. Yar. Bye. Yar. Avast. Yar. Mayor rolls trend ever upward. I'll sing you a song that all green folk know until, until the waterfall's home that only began 50 years ago. Four, three, two, one. That was pretty tight. I almost did the spirits intro. Hey, hi, hello. Welcome to the after party where this is the spirits intro. Oh, yeah. no, wait. That was the after party intro. I'm sorry. I don't think that's how they start spirits. I was trying. <laughs> I, I tried should. I so should. hard. I forgot, I forgot and I did it anyway. <sighs>